Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Well, hi there, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks. I'm delighted to be your host. I'm a transformation specialist working directly with retailers and brands to help drive positive, successful transformation. Understanding the core challenges, defining the right solutions and operating models, encouraging great collaboration and a positive culture, and really accelerating progress, ultimately to help you navigate the way through to improving your customer experience and delivering your bottom line. Thank you for tuning in today. This one is episode number 247, number 247. And today we're going to be continuing our adventure into the world of robotics. In the last episode, episode 246, we dived into arguably the most advanced area of retail for robotics, automated warehouses. We explored the different types of automation and the benefits and challenges of putting robots into your distribution centers or fulfillment centers. And in particular, moving stock within those big sheds is really the big primary opportunity for deploying robotics in those situations. And in today's episode, we're keeping with that theme of stock movement, but looking at it on a much more macro scale. Today, we're going to be looking at robotics in the global supply chain and logistics industry, thinking about how autonomy can help transform transport. The show notes from today are going to be over at obandco.uk slash 247. That's www.obandco.uk slash 247. Now, retail relies on transport. When I was back at Tesco, we had a high-level model based around buy, move, sell. Transport and logistics and the whole global supply chain is right there in the center, move. And globalization has only increased this. Meanwhile, events from recent years, whether it's COVID, whether it's blocked canals, or even the Ukraine war, there is a much bigger visibility and appreciation of retail supply chains and the complex logistics routes that ultimately get the product onto the shelf or into the box at your customer's door. Meanwhile, aspects like sustainability, providence and sourcing becomes more of a focus. As a result, transport and logistics will get more focus. But for really quite a long time, this part of retail and industry in general, hasn't really changed. Trucks, trains, planes and ships carrying cargo. In containers, on pallets, on roll cages, in boxes, whatever. That physical transport of goods has remained relatively static. And it's worth a lot of money. The retail logistics market per year is worth around $270 billion. And so given this scale it's of course natural to expect quite a significant development over time. 
So if we think about the broad issues facing supply chains and logistics, we're thinking about cost primarily. This is an area that has to happen, but we want to minimize that cost. We need to be thinking about timelines in terms of making sure products are making the connections, which ensures availability, minimizes wastage and so on. Sustainability, as I mentioned, is increasing in focus. And there are more short-term challenges around driver shortages or even product availability. And we're also seeing spikes in product demand, which also challenge availability due to the surge nature. And transport is really a crucial link in the proverbial and literal supply chain. It relies on the elements before and after and vice versa as well. You cannot do without transport. Now, cost has been a big focus area for many transport organizations and departments. And there are lots of ways to focus on efficiency to help save costs. Thinking about fuel economy, aerodynamic designs for trucks, for example, maximizing loading capacity, adding elements like double-decker trailers, for example, so that more goods are transported per journey, minimizing turnaround times, so vehicles can get back on the road, rail, sea, whatever, in the fastest possible way and get onto transporting that next load. And of course, with all of this, planning is an essential part to maximize efficiency. And I've always been amazed at the level of effort and impact of doing proper, effective transport planning. But right now, my view is one of the biggest transport transformations is the whole electrification of fleets. Whether we're thinking about Amazon deploying their new all-electric Rivian delivery van, or whether we're thinking about electric HGVs, heavy goods vehicles, from the likes of Renault or Mercedes-Benz, using clean energy is a big focus, with big sustainability benefits as well as helping minimize costs for the transport industry, electric vehicles is still very much a developing technology. Aspects like travel range or journey range and carrying capacity are really crucial to get right. And if you get those wrong, the whole business case just disappears and it actually becomes the wrong decision to go for an electrification. Meanwhile, there are subtle differences in elements like charging time and even charging port locations. These need to be thought in, otherwise you're going to end up stranded. But if electrification is the big transformation right now, then perhaps the next major development will be in self-driving transport, automated transport or robotic transport. Because it's funny, robotic vehicles really have remained in the domain of science fiction movies and content for a long time. Do you remember Total Recall? where Arnie jumps into the Johnny Cab, the robot taxi driver, who merrily transports him around. Or perhaps if you're thinking about robotic vehicles, then your mind is taken to Knight Rider's kit, perhaps the most iconic autonomous vehicle right now. But beyond Hollywood, this technology is becoming seriously, genuinely viable right now. And there are lots of trials going on, as I'm sure you're already aware of. So there are many, many different use cases for the rise of robotics in transport right now. And as a quick disclaimer, I'm not a transport professional. Of course, it's a critical part of the whole operating model, 
and an essential enabler to many of the retail success factors that we all focus on. So if you are a transport pro, do feel free to reach out and re-educate me on this whole topic as well. Let's spend a second thinking about all of the different transport moments throughout the supply chain. And we'll be thinking about this very much in a simplified way. Of course, there's a huge amount of intricacy and a real web of different companies, locations, etc. But let's think about this in a real simple way. The first moment is field to factory. So from raw materials into a production facility. Now, this could be global or relatively local in scale. You then have from factory to warehouse, which has a much higher likelihood of global transport. Then from warehouse to store or from warehouse to consumer's home, depending on the model that you're running, of course. You may have from stores to consumer's homes as well. You have some micro transport from store to store, although hopefully not too much. And then, of course, you have reverse logistics in multiple different elements. You've got singles, reverse logistics from customer returns or damages, for example. You've got bulk reverse logistics from unsold or overstock items. And you've got used reverse logistics for recycling or remanufacture. So you've got some elements of definite last mile delivery in there, which we're going to come back to next time for delivering directly to consumers' homes. But right now, we're thinking about bulk deliveries on a global or local scale. And so the vehicles that we're talking about here, trucks, trains, planes, and ships. And I think I'm seeing autonomy being most directed at the trucks and the ships options. If we start with ships, it's an area that I do not focus on hugely, I have to be honest, but it's really quite fascinating because autonomous ships are absolutely a big opportunity and they're already being trialled in different areas across the world. They're called Maritime Autonomous Surface Ships, or MASS for short, and there's been a, a recent working group formulated to come up with recommendations about how do we create an international standard, an international protocol for operating these mass ships. And some of the early recommendations are that there should always be a human or team of humans in charge of an autonomous ship. They do not need to be on board the ship, but they should always be able to take control. They should always be able to revoke automated access to steer, stop, start, whatever. Furthermore, the working group have decided that one person can be in control of multiple ships at any one time. So you could imagine a control centre where actually one captain, shall we call them, has got a whole multitude of ships that they're keeping an eye on with the need of jumping in to take control of, you know, ship nine at a particular moment for whatever reason. And they also decided there's a potential for multiple control rooms, but with really clear control ownership with only one location at only one moment in time. So you never have multiple conflicting human owners and you never have no human owners. And I think these concepts are really useful to take and think about how would autonomous transport work in a retail setting because I think they're very sensible and whether you're talking about ships or trucks in particular, actually the same logic really applies. 
And more and more vehicles are starting to do trials of automated driving. And we'll be touching on this in the next episode for sure, thinking about smaller vehicles, cars. But already there are trials for relatively long haul trucking. Last year, 2022, Kodiak Robotics, which is a self-driving tech startup, and a haulage company called US Express ran a whole trial with autonomous trucks driving and making deliveries between Atlanta and Dallas. And for five days straight, the autonomous truck drove there and back, making drop-offs, and it did four full round trips. That's about 800 miles each way, with then, like I say, different drop-offs and collections being made at each end as well as refueling. So four there and backs in five days. A human driver, meanwhile, would do the same journeys in 10 days by the time you consider brakes and daily driving limits. So when you start to think about the opportunity with automation, really it can be quite exciting and quite transformative for retail supply chains and transport too. The main benefits are absolutely going to be around efficiency and accessibility, driver labor, you know, more driving hours per day and avoiding difficulties around driver availability as well. But I think when you think about those longer driving hours from that trial, that could lead to a huge number of other shifts through the retail industry as well. You know, maybe we need fewer warehouses, right? And we rely on automated trucks driving 24-7 from fewer locations. And that could actually drive out a whole load of cost in working capital, improve availability. And of course, if we're using greener energy, maybe the environmental impact of, let's say, two warehouses versus longer trips could be negated. Interesting to think about that. And equally, automated vehicles could add in more slack to the whole transport operating model. And that slack could be used to make late changes for delivery, longer cutoff times for confirming stock, allow for delays and issues, and a huge number of other activities as well. Another benefit could be around safety, although arguably quite contentious because this also features as one of my watchouts as well. The opportunity with autonomous trucking is around avoiding mistakes, primarily driven through tiredness, in my view. However, I don't believe the technology is quite there yet. All of these trials for autonomous vehicles, particularly with HGVs, are still using safety drivers. They've still got a human being sat in the cab in front of the steering wheel, ready to take control, apply the brakes, apply the accelerator, whatever, if needed. So. The technology is not there yet, but we all know that's the starting point, right? We all know we have to learn to trust robot drivers. And I think from that point, it bridges quite nicely into thinking about the considerations and watchouts of autonomous transport, because whether we're talking about shipping trials, which still have got a human crew on board, just to be careful, or the trucking trials, the technology is still developing. There are still safety drivers needed, which means there's always going to be a limit to any real savings or benefits. But this is a long-term play rather than a short-term play. But the business case is absolutely critical. The technology will be expensive to begin with. And if you are also employing a human to sit and babysit the technology, that's going to really limit any benefit. Equally, as we discussed with warehouse robotics, there are going to be other ongoing costs as well. Aspects like license fees, for example, 
which all need to be factored in. So the business case is really key to make sure that you nail it down. Another big watch out is around government legislation. Different countries or different states are going to develop their policies at different rates. Some locations will undoubtedly be pro-automation and will allow full driverless trucks and ships to operate much earlier. Whereas some are going to be, of course, the technology laggards and it's going to take ages, if ever, to fully allow permission. And when you're thinking about transport moving from A to B and across multiple different locations along that journey, who's going to be the most far behind? Because that is ultimately going to be the limitation, right? And all of these different legislations and policies are going to be continually changing, especially in the short term, whilst this technology develops. But beyond the broad legislation of is this even allowed or not, you also need to think about the details. You know, what is the policy following an automated crash, for example? Is a local investigation going to mean that a license to operate automated vehicles, for example, is going to be revoked until the root cause has been established or there has been a fix applied, whatever? And that could really impact the entire operation because your entire fleet could become redundant or could require a human driver instead. So government legislation is going to be a really big watch out and it could be a, a massive barrier for the short to medium term of this technology. And I'm short to medium term, I'm thinking like 10 years, by the way. <laughs> thinking about how the technology is developing as well, let's be honest, it's developing and evolving really quickly, but it's got a long way to go at the same time. It's a technology that I believe you don't want to get onto too early because of all of the barriers that are going to be in the way. And yes, there absolutely can be benefits for being early adopters too. But my suggestion, certainly for the vast majority of retailers here, is that you don't want to be an innovator in this particular market just yet. I think we want to hold fire and let the technology develop a little bit further on. And then as different technologies like remote drivers as a next development, that could be the time to start exploring how autonomous transport could work in your operating model. Because the intricate driving skills also are not quite yet ready, particularly thinking about trucks and on the roads, because there are so many different considerations. Of course, there's the obvious stuff about other cars being on the roads, whether that's robot drivers or human drivers, but also just in a retail setting, you've got some really tight delivery yards. And it's a real skill when you see a proper quality driver manage to spin around an HGV in what seems like a tiny little space. The risk factors involved for automated processing of that space and the location, etc. That's something that's going to take a little bit of time to develop in my view. City centres are also going to be particularly challenging. And actually that Dallas to Atlanta trial that I was discussing earlier they actually decided city centres were too much of a step. So they avoided city centres entirely and instead made drop-offs outside those sort of built-up locations. And then cargo was transferred onto human-driven trucks for the first and final legs of that journey. And there are also those challenging moments of driving as well, whether it's an unexpected road incident or whether it's something like an excessive Brexit blockade where trucks are going to be parked up for days waiting to get through. 
humans work out what to do in those instances, whereas robots and autonomous vehicles may struggle or may have additional challenges to get them to comply. And I think that's an important consideration because humans absolutely are fantastic at responding to disruption, responding quickly, changing the plan. We saw the human aspect of transport really excel during the COVID pandemic. We had different companies partnering together to make sure that essential supplies got to where they're needed in time. And you have to ask the question, would autonomous vehicles have been able to cope with this rapid change like humans did? And how would fully autonomous transport planning cope when things aren't quite normal, whether it's a a petrol or a fuel crisis? or as I was suggesting earlier, blockages that are unexpected or road traffic incidents as well. Another consideration here is around crime. Cargo in transit can be a big crime target, especially for certain categories where this one particular vehicle could be highly valuable. And I do wonder, as we move to fully autonomous vehicles, could this sort of crime be perceived as victimless? You know, there was no driver hurt. In fact, there was no driver around. We just took the gear and there we go. So will we see more transport crime happening as a result of autonomous vehicles? I don't know. What do you think on that one? And then, of course, we've got to be thinking about the flexibility as well. Retail, by its very nature, has big peaks and troughs. You know, prepping up for peak holiday season and Christmas trade and so on. We add over time, we add agency drivers, and we make sure stock is in the right place at the right time. If you have robotic vehicles or autonomous vehicles, can you do the same level of flexibility? Or do you just have to buy, proverbially buy, that slack to be there all year round and relatively unutilized? Or can you actually create more partnerships to make sure that you're loaning them out to other companies, for example, that have peaks at other times. And aspects like uptime and reliability and maintenance are of course essential to keep the truck on the road and that will all shift subtly, similar to how it is shifting with the electrification of transport fleets right now. Deploying automated transport should hopefully be retrofittable. And by that, I mean a robotic truck should be able to drive into an existing warehouse or store yard to make their delivery or collection. So hopefully the big impacts that we're seeing as companies are electrifying their delivery fleets won't be replicated when you need to then retrofit in your automated vehicle fleets as well. So as we just look ahead to where this is going, you know, technology development is a big, big opportunity here. Gathering more data, running more trials, doing more experiments and building our overall experience of autonomous vehicles allows us to build more trust and allows us to work towards a more hands-off and a more self-managed or self-automated transport link. Elements like becoming semi-automated could be a good next step. So a bit like how a pilot could turn on the autopilot in an aeroplane. You know, could there be an element of allowing humans to control the intricate moments at the start and the end? and allowing automation to take full control of the middle section of a journey, perhaps allowing the person to have a sleep, you know, proper full control. Or could we see a world where we move to remote piloting of vehicles, like the shipping industry are starting to work towards as well? 
As another development, let's think about how the warehouse robotics industry has changed. Will we see full robot supply chain companies that can manage your entire transport load, almost transport as a service, shall we call it, including all of the planning and the infrastructure setup, but with more control than just outsourcing it to a 3PL, for example? Or actually, will the full autonomous transport movement be driven, no pun intended, driven by the 3PLs or the third-party logistics companies? And this becomes their way of generating scale and efficiency that allows them to operate an effective service to retailers that otherwise might run their own transport operation. I don't know. There's lots of different ways this could go. But for me, for all of these different reasons, fully automated transport is still quite a way off yet before it comes mainstream in the retail industry. As I mentioned earlier, transport is a link in the chain. It relies on the elements before and after. And I suspect there's much bigger opportunity with robotics in those elements before and after. But what do you think? Do you think we'll be seeing the proverbial Johnny Cab from Total Recall driving trucks and ships, maybe even piloting planes, right? Or do human drivers still have their place for some time yet? Do let me know what you think about this one. You can email me oliver.banks at obandco.uk or find me on LinkedIn and send me a message. If staying in touch with how the retail industry is evolving is important to you, then you should absolutely subscribe to the Retail Transformation Briefing. This is my free email newsletter that every week highlights key innovations and insights and developments from around the world of retail. Couple that with interesting reports and transformation tips and takeaways. Sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing to help keep your finger firmly on the pulse of the ever-evolving world of retail. Subscribe for free at obandco.uk slash 247. Those are today's show notes where you'll also find some additional episodes to check out next. Three suggestions, very briefly. Check out the previous episode firstly. It's called The Rise of Robotics in Warehouses and it's where we started our robotic exploration. So go and check that one out. We also touched on the idea of building Slack into your operating model earlier on as well. And really, I have to direct you to episode 180 with the fantastic Jeff Roberts called Building Slack into Your Operating Model. And finally, this automation technology offers so many options. We could do this, we could do that. But you need to be super careful about technology-led transformation. And so if that's where you're thinking, then check out episode 125, episode 125, called Eight Factors Shaping Technology-Led Transformation. And that's a solo show with just me. So go and check out those episodes. I'll put the links to them on the show notes at obandco.uk slash 247. And remember to subscribe to the Retail Transformation Briefing whilst you're there. Thanks so much for tuning in. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this one. And I'll look forward to joining you in another episode very, very soon. Bye for now.